Gretzky. Looking, Yari Curry, McSorley to Gretzky. Welcome to episode 99 of Off the Rush, the Wilf Palemont, no, Wayne Gretzky edition of Off the Rush. Thanks for listening wherever you got us from, whether that was Spotify or Apple. Wilf Paymont, the legend of the Toronto Maple Leafs, wore number 99, but then another guy from Brantford, Ontario came along and made that number all his own. That, of course, is Wayne Gretzky, also hailing from Ontario, but you know, further away, east of Brantford, I believe, right, Alan? Is Alan at Manson? You are You are correct. Your Ontario geography is on point. And it's funny that you mentioned Wilf Paymont and Wayne Gretzky because there is a little tie-in to where I'm from. So back in the day, Wayne Gretzky owned our major junior OHL team, the Belleville Bulls, which later on, Wilf Paymont's son actually played for. Oh, really? That is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to edit this out, but my son just left the room with his iPad to go poop with the iPad. Nice. He's uh he's a full grown <laughs> adult man. We're, we're, it, we're single dad in it and we're, we're making it work. So, uh, you know, we're doing the, we're doing the best we can. Uh, Dave, that's, that's your cold open. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, uh, uh joining us from victoria is dave dave uh are you a big gretzky guy oh i mean of course of course uh i gotta say it's it's interesting though because definitely his 93 run with with la is his biggest shining on ice hockey moment that i recall because like i was too young in the 80s and my parents didn't watch hockey so my like first waking memory of of hockey is Lemieux winning the Stanley cup. Uh, and so that run with LA and I remember they knocked out Vancouver. I think it was the second round. Yeah. Six games. Yeah. And, and I remember I, I cried and, and I, 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 my family didn't watch hockey, but I, I had been introduced to it and I was watching it and I, I was, for whatever reason, I, I became emotional. I was a kid and my mom was like, uh, why are you crying? Like, did you make a bet? And I, I was like, no, mom, I'm like in grade four. <laughs> I don't make bets. And uh, and that's when I discovered that I was a Canuck fan. Like, you thought truly, that you had Canuck. like a, there was like a Pogs bookie, like a kid taking bets and with and paying out Pogs or taking Pogs. Yeah, but Pogs didn't come around to like grade six, right? So, oh, man. so, uh, so I remember, <laughs> I remember Gretzky and I remember uh, realizing, realizing just how great he was, but you know, surprisingly, my 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 favorite memory of him actually comes from when he wasn't on the ice. It was the 2002 Olympics uh, oh, yes. when you know, and and Canada hadn't won a gold medal for what 50 years. Yep. And right, and he was the executive director, and he put the team together, and like, and they won gold. And and I watched that gold medal game at Big White Ski Resort outside in the snow watching it on the big this big giant screen where everybody in big white at the time 
that's where everybody was. Everybody was just outside all celebrating that win. So it, it's kind of funny. That is my favorite Gretzky moment. Uh, and he wasn't even on the ice. If I remember that correctly, like didn't that team like struggle a little bit and then Gretzky came yeah. out and took like all the pressure off them and put it onto him? Yeah, they started out, they lost the first game to Sweden like 5-2, then they beat Germany but barely, and then they tied the Czech Republic 3-3. Three, three, and and, and Gretzky... we were all like, here we go, Nagano all over again. Yeah, and then Gretzky did, go on and Gretzky, Gretzky did the press conference. Oh. Great, buddy. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Gretzky, for me, um, I got to go back to, again, like, you know, the Oilers run kind of happened before our time. Um, I hated the Toronto Maple Leafs with a passion when I was a kid. Uh, it was a birthright in my family to hate the Leafs with my dad being from Detroit and being a Red Wings fan. So that was one thing that we had in common. And I remember watching the game seven against Toronto when Gretzky had a hat trick, including banking one in off Hal Gill's or not Hal Gill, Todd Gill, the original Gill's skate. Uh, front next coach. Yeah. Beating him five, four to, uh, to rob us of a Leafs versus Habs 93 final. Uh, but still, uh, just, I remember that game and I remember going to see him at the Coliseum when I was a kid, when he played for LA, I was lucky to see him. I think four or five times and saw Gretzky score a lot of goals against Kirk McLean and Kate Whitmore. Uh, as a kid. And I, I just, uh, yeah, but like, like Dave was saying, I remember that rallying cry as an executive director uh, really, really well. Uh, and then I was also in attendance for his coaching debut with the Phoenix Coyotes. When the, when the league came back from the lockout, uh, I was at that game with my mom and my, my stepdad uh, when he, and the Canucks beat him three, nothing. And that was about how that was going to go for Wayner. Um, I was going to ask you guys, did have any of you, been in his actual presence like oh yeah i've met him i've met him a couple of times um most recently uh i got to meet the whole family uh when his son was playing in the chicago cubs organization he was playing with the boise hawks they came into nat bailey uh wayne was in town already because he was doing something with ea so we kind of knew there was a chance he was going to come to the building and it ended up being Wayne Gretzky, Janet Gretzky, Dustin Johnson, who at the time was like the number one golfer in the world, and his daughter Paulina. Uh, and they actually was this came... pre was this pre Instagram fame for her? No, post. She was very Instagram famous at the time. <laughs> and uh, they came up to the press box to do. Uh, Wayne did a one inning hit with Rob Fay, our play by play guy on on Team Ten Forty. But then they just hung out in the press in the press box for a couple of innings and. Uh, he started chatting me up. Uh, Wayner started chatting me up. He's like, Oh, so if I push all these buttons, I guess you'll kick me out. Eh? And I'm like, you can do whatever you want, Wayne. And, and he laughed. And, uh, another time before that, uh, when I was working for the Canucks, uh, he was an executive at the time with the Oilers and he was, he came, he came upstairs in the press box area. Uh, and Trevor Linden was the president of the team and they were friends and they were walking around together. It was Trevor Linden, Wayne Gretzky and Stephen Harper, uh, which is a weird trio. Uh, and they all came into the press box again. And I don't know if you remembered me or just the same guy doing the same job in a different building, but, uh, he made, he, I guess he's got like, it's like shooter McGavin with, uh, he spends more time in the sand than David Hasselhoff. Cause he said the same thing to me again. Oh, if I push all these buttons, I guess you'll kick me out of here. And I was like, you got to get some some new material, Wayne. But uh, Alan, have you ever met Gretzky? I, I'm pretty sure I've met like the entire family except for Wayne. Like I met his kid when he was playing independent pro ball down uh, 
I want to say like Trois Rivieres. He yeah, had a that, little stint in, and I saw him in, in Ottawa the, in the Can Am League. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Used to Play against the Ottawa Champions. They were back then. I don't know what they're called now. They are uh, the, Titans, Titans the Titans now. But yeah. yeah, so I saw him in that league, and then I I met Walter, and I met Brent, and I met Keith at uh, uh, NHL Old Timers event that I emceed, and yeah, like just kind of freak meetings over the years with the rest of the family, but never Wayne. That's surprising. Put that on my list. That's surprising because you work in hockey and you live in Ontario. I'm actually pretty surprised. Dave, have you ever met Wayne Gretzky? Uh, no. I mean, the closest I ever got was during the 2010 Olympics, and he was doing like uh, I think it was the Canadian Pavilion, maybe, or the Ontario, the Ontario one. And he was uh, uh and it was right down on False Creek, uh, on the seawall there. And he was doing a hit, I think, for his wine or something like that. And oh, so yeah. I was like, I want to be in this building, and there was. And it was sm- it was small, but and we were trying the wine and and whatnot. And then afterwards, after he did his interview, he and he's renowned for this, but I got to see it personally. He signs autographs, like it's like oh like yeah, just not nonstop. And and I got his autograph uh, on like a uh, on a ticket. That was all I had. I had a ticket to a, one of the hockey games. It was like Sweden versus Finland, or whatever it was, and. Uh, and so I have his autograph on that, but that's, but that's it. So, uh, you know, man, I am secretly, I am secretly hoping because he's back in, uh, in OHL ownership. Now he's got like something to do with the Niagara ice dogs who are a tire fire. They're always Um, a tire fire. They've been a tire fire since they were the Mississauga ice dogs, but he's got something to do with them. And so I'm hoping that maybe on one of their trips, the great one kind of swings through the birthplace of hockey and maybe spend some time in my booth. Yeah, it that would be nice. Um, yeah, he's a gentleman in a class act. Uh, one of his it best makes real good whiskey. Is apparently it's decent. The wine is okay. It was one of the better Niagara wines I had in Ontario. Which I mean, that's like being the skinniest kid at Fat Camp, but whatever. Um, Ontario wine sucks. Uh, Rick Tockett. One hey, of hey, 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 hey! Listen, come on, man. You, you know just went true. to the wrong ones. Search your heart. You know it to be true. No. Um, hey. My hometown's got the best wines you'll have. The best wines in Ontario. Um, Rick Tockett is one of Wayne Gretzky's uh, best friends off the ice. They're they're pretty close buddies. And he's doing a hell of a job uh, coaching these Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Dave, you've been watching these games. I know that you record them and you stay off the chat. Um, you know, what are you seeing? How much credit for, I'll ask you two questions. How much credit does Rick Tockett deserve for the Canucks good start? Um, and what are you seeing that's created that good start? Oh, he uh, he deserves all the credit. I mean, not all the credit, because obviously it's Rutherford and Alvin that put him into place. Uh, and what a hire. Uh, you know, I, I've mentioned this on the show before, but I've I've coached a lot of volleyball, obviously not at a professional level. But, you know, when you're coaching and you coach over and over and over and you learn what works and you learn kind of how to take a team from nothing and turn it into something and and. And I got to say, like, there's a lot of parallels with my philosophies in coaching and with what I'm seeing from Talkit. And I, I'm not saying that from just the Dave Hoskin him. playbook. Well, it's 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 psychological. It's relationship building. It's it's building systems and being patient with it. It's planning for the future. It's kind of sacrificing the now a little bit so that you have greater payoff in the future. And I don't ever feel like we had that with with Boudreaux. 
like I feel like with Boudreaux, it was just right away trying to trying to uh, win at whatever cost. And we we've seen we obviously we've seen that with a bunch of coaches. But like here are just a couple of things that I've been noticing. And uh, one, when we load up Hironic with Hughes, right? It's just a stellar D pairing. I think in the future we're gonna see them split up. But in the meantime, by having those other guys have to actually face the real pressure. Like when you have somebody like, I don't know, Juleson play with Hughes, uh, basically anybody but oh, Myers. Like Juleson's terrible. I, I know. Oh, man, is he bad? <laughs> He's so bad. No, no, but but at the end of last year, he looked fine next to Hughes because Hughes, you know, just makes all the right plays and just minimizes uh, the risks of, of you know, giving the puck over to Juleson. So in the meantime, you have Susie, you have Cole, you have Myers, you have, uh, who am I missing? Uh, <laughs> uh, who am I missing, guys? Uh, anyway. Myers. Uh, these... No, I said Myers. <laughs> God, Myers has been terrible. But anyway, uh, but these guys are having to actually play without having Heronic or Hughes be the guy who carries the line, like a defensive pairing. And I think that's an actual strategy. Like I would do this with teams is I would make it so that I would weaken weaken a defense or something like that or weaken an offense just to give guys reps and to give leadership opportunities to guys who wouldn't necessarily get it if I was just to play my like top guys. If I just play my top guys from the get-go, well then like my lesser guys don't get to ever really feel the real pressure which will come because no matter what there will be injuries and no matter what these guys are going to have to play up the lineup so that's just like one thing that i've noticed yeah no he's done a great job and the the, the it's funny like the heronic and hughes pairing i didn't see coming i didn't think they'd do that and uh not to give another podcast credit but the chicklets guys were talking about it and they were saying that's probably the best d pairing in the nhl right now um, we didn't get to see a lot of Hronik last year. I think he played two games, but man, that's a good trade. Four games he played, but yeah, what a great deal. Like, I, I mean, he looks fantastic. It, it, it's the first time in a long time where they've had two defensemen that are high quality defensemen on the team at the same time. So no matter how you deploy them, uh, it makes a big difference. Um, also Casey DeSmith two and O that helps, um, where it's just not an automatic loss, not having Demko in net uh certainly helps matters and uh yeah the Canucks are four and two but there's some other teams too that are white hot uh a couple that I think we all saw coming uh correct me if I'm wrong guys but Vegas being on fire to start the year not that surprising Colorado certainly not that big of a surprise but these two and I'm gonna start with you Alan out east the Boston Bruins I did they not get the memo that this was a rebuild year for them like what the hell is happening in Boston this is like second verse, same as the first. If you go back to last year, because everybody thought last year they were going to like take a step back and be done. And they had a out of this world regular season, didn't get the playoff success, but the regular season was fantastic. And then this off season, they lose Bergeron. They and Krejci. Yeah, they lose Krejci. Taylor Hall shipped out to Chicago. Um, and so everybody's like, oh, well, this is the year that they take a step back. And Jim Montgomery's got them firing on all cylinders. And I hate it as a Montreal Canadiens fan, but I can respect it. <laughs> yeah, I respect it, too, because they were talking about moving Olmark, uh, which would have been a bold move, you know, trading the Vezina Trophy goalie. Uh, I don't think well, that's I'm still I'm still not sure, like, they're not going to move a goalie at some point because there are teams that need them. And I think Jeremy Swayman is 
an upgrade on a lot of teams netminders right now i'm looking oh, at you edmonton he's but, legit uh, swayman's legit but i think he'd be the one they'd hang on to because he's younger um but yeah I think like we'll find out before long because i think i think boston is gonna have to do something at some point but this start has been crazy good and unexpected yeah i think any plans on selling any pieces whether it's up front defense or goaltending are off for now um but yeah they can win 20 games in a row or what um the Colorado Avalanche uh, are either you guys surprised that they're looking like world beaters. Georgiev is the front runner right now for the Vezina trophy, which I don't think anybody saw coming. Um, but we're not surprised, right? That the Avalanche got, are doing so They well. got the best player in the world. I'm not surprised. Kale McCarr? Yeah. Uh, no, Nathan Ooh. McKinnon. But look, isn't that interesting that that's how good they are, is that you could say they have the best player in the world and the three of us aren't going to all agree on who that guy is. McCarr is very, very good. Devon Taves, very, very good on their blue line and a big reason why they are in the spot they are. But if I'm, like, right now, if I was to pick maybe the most complete player in the NHL, I'm going to go with Nathan McKinnon. That's my pick. Dave, do you have a rebuttal? Uh, I still think it's Kale McCarr. I mean, uh, you know, I, I Nathan McKinnon is unbelievable. Uh, don't get me wrong. His speed, his tenacity, his desire to win, uh, all of that. But I, I've really come to appreciate, and I don't know if this is because of Quinn Hughes, but I've really come to appreciate how a defenseman can dictate the game. And Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes are very similar, except that Kale McCarr is taller, has a longer reach, and has a shot. And so he's just able to get that little bit extra and he just gets to dictate the play. Uh, and so I, I just don't think that could be understated. And then of course you have Rantanen. Don't forget about Rantanen. He's on fire this year. He's five more points than McKinnon. And he's like, he's scary good because everybody forgets about him. Yeah. And everybody's like, Oh, they got McCarr, They got McKinnon. Like, and then all of a sudden here's comes Miko Rantanen. And there's so many hockey drafts where I've taken him because everybody forgets about him and just he's like next level. And then of course, like Landis Cog, I was going to say, and, and Landis Cog is out right now. Yeah. And could be back for playoffs. Like, could this be yeah. a, could this be a Kucherov situation? Come the, playoffs? Old Kuch- the old Kucherov shuffle and they can max out their cap. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. Are, uh, looking at the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, a lot of teams do have a hard time duplicating their success when they win a Stanley cup. Um, you know, whether it's a slow start or nagging injuries from the playoff run, these guys look like they've just picked up right where they left off. Are you guys surprised about that? Uh, a little bit. Like I thought there'd maybe be that Stanley cup hangover where you don't get that full off season. Guys are going hard for a month and a half, two months, just giving her like Diener from FUBAR, but, uh, Diener. <laughs> it's a double liner. Uh, but no, they're like. Bruce Cassidy's got them right back to where they picked up and it's been impressive. Like I know that there was knocks on Bruce Cassidy during his first tenure and then Boston let him go. And there's kind of a wonder if, if maybe that was it for him. And then Vegas swoops in and he found absolute success there. Um, And he's got them, he's got them buying in. And I mean, it's easy to get guys to buy in because you have a taste of that Stanley cup win and you're like, okay, we want to do this. Like we look at Tampa Bay, they did it. We can be the team that does it after them and they've got all the pieces and I think their clock's probably running out. So they kind of got to make 
make good on it when they can. Yeah, this one thing that you're missing though too is that normally a Stanley Cup uh winner loses guys in the offseason. Like they they price out. Uh guys become UFAs and and they can't afford them anymore. Where Vegas has basically brought back the entire team. Um and that's you know, just in in that self it's amazing. And coming hey. off the books, coming off the books, we have uh Marcia so, who's a UFA uh coming up. Chandler Stevenson, who's going to get a huge pay raise. He's only making 2.75 right now. Uh, Alec Martinez coming off. So there's, you know, you can still sign these guys. You'll lose one of them, but that's okay. Uh, well, and, like, they, and they've done it with, with lesser known goalies. Like they don't have a real marquee goaltender. Like a lot of these teams do. Like Tampa Bay has Vasilevsky, but in Vegas, it's really been kind of like, hey, here's can- the ball. Like do what you can with it. They used three guys last year for the most part, and they all look good with that system. Like, Brossois was a world beater when he was in there. Logan Thompson looked good when he was in there, and then Aiden Hill finished it up. And then Jonathan Quick even got a cup of coffee in there. Um, But I think Aiden Hill is legit. Like, I think he's a legit number one goalie in the league, and I think he's the one they're going to go with. Um, A team that a lot of people are surprised about out East that's doing very well that I'm not surprised. It felt like they were starting to put the pieces together last year, but everything's fallen into place. Getting the getting that Michigan boy, Alex to bring it on board in Detroit, I think has set them over the top, but like how good does Steve Eiserman and those Detroit Red Wings look now? Alan, I think there was a little bit of noise that maybe some patience had been running out in Detroit with this group, but just in the nick of the time, they've seemed to have uh, caught fire here. The Iser plan looks to be in full effect in Motor City. And the I know that uh, it's kind of been echoed around the league, but to see an original six franchise like the Detroit Red Wings back competitive is good for the NHL. When you've got your original six going, um, it's it's just good for business. And it's been a while since they've all kind of been strong. And if Detroit can figure it out, Montreal's on the path to there. Chicago's going to be there. Toronto's there. Boston's there. New York's there. I think like this could this could be good in a year for the NHL to have all these original six teams kind of firing on all cylinders. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, uh, have you caught any of these Red Wings games? They are kind of the exciting Detroit Red Wings, the scary Zetterberg Datsuk looking Red Wings again. Huh, a little bit, you know, but what I really appreciate about the Iser plan or whatever we call it is <laughs> what did you say, Alan? It was what kind of plan? The Iser plan. The, the Iser, Iser plan. plan. That might be um, our first merch. That might be an off the rush shirt. <laughs> so, so the Iser plan, the cap space that they just held onto and held onto and held onto and then struck, struck at the right moment with the right players, veterans who are, you know, skilled, who can, who are, who have tenacity, you know, uh, and and really can help to complement and lead the younger guys as they come into their own. And just to offset that with the Benning plan, there's not, it's not a good word for it, but the, but the <laughs> Benning plan was like, hey, we're rebuilding, but you know what? If we get Tyler Myers and Erickson now and screw over our cap for six years, like that's the way to go. It was a stuff, it was, it was so dumb. And Eiserman, Eiserman, you know, I think held that cap space close to his, you know, close to his chest and then pounced when it, when it became real. And the last thing I want to say really quick, 
I did not realize that DeBrinket was five foot seven. Oh yeah, he little oh, yeah. fella. And I like I love that. That's Cliff Ronning size. That's Theo Fleury size. I, I mean, like I I love shorter guys just excelling in the NHL because it, you know, unlike say like the NBA, there's no more Muggsy Bogues. Nope. No, Muggsy Bogues could never play in the NBA anymore. But in the NHL, you can be six foot eight, you can be five foot seven, and you can still make the show and have huge impact. And I love that. Well, when we, how when many? We were... Go ahead, Alan. How many times over the last two, three years where people like Shanahan's got or uh, not Shanahan, Heiserman's got to like blow it up. Like you got to you got to move on. It's not working. It's not working. He's like, no, we're going to stay the course. We're going to stay the course like we've got a plan. It's going to work out. And now we're starting to see that plan. And people are like, oh, he's a genius. He was right. I mean, the only mistake he made was uh, not drafting Quinn Hughes. But, you know, could you imagine? I I don't want to oh. think I don't want to think about it. It's too scary to think about how good they'd be with him. But um, you know, I don't like looking at it now. Are we surprised that the two best general managers in the NHL were the two smartest players of the generation of players that we watched as kids? Iserman and Sackett. They were the brainiest guys on the ice in the '90s, and now they're the brainiest executives. Uh, I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, but there is a bit of a changing of the guard, especially out in the Eastern Conference. The Caps and the Pens since like 2008 and nine have been perennial players like in that conference. Um, and it looks like uh, both of them are going to miss the playoffs. Uh, Ovi has one goal to start the season. We were all so sure on this show a couple hey, weeks ago. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm no Ovechkin fan. But we all thought he was going to break the record. Now I don't know. It's so early, you guys. Like he I mean, looks, but Dave, he looks slow. He, he looks, looks geriatric, very geriatric. The uh, the Putin Putin took away his supply of the Russian gas, and it doesn't doesn't look so good anymore. <laughs> but I still, I don't know. I it's very early in the season, you guys. They've played five games. Niet on know, the like, petrol. Niet. <laughs> Like Carolina is out of a playoff spot right now. You yeah, know, but they're it, three it, and they're three and three, and they're out of the playoffs because they're not playing defense. Like they'll figure that out. I don't uh, know about that. Yeah. Edmonton, Edmonton is one four and one. I mean, like, do you really expect them to miss the playoffs? Yes, yes, I do, and I'll tell you why. It 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 all hinged on goaltending. Uh, they kind of thought they might get away with it. They didn't get away with it. Um, and it's all. It's all falling apart. Oh, like McDavid's out there saying like two weeks, but other people are saying it could be four. Like the that division, the Pacific division is wide open now. Um, and you know, teams like the Canucks are off to a good start. Like there's gonna be some separation. Like the points now in October and November count the same as they do in March and April. And if Edmonton keeps losing, like let's say they come out of a McDavid injury, like three and 10 or four and eight, like, believe it or not, that might be too little too late for them. It was for the Canucks. Canucks started. Yeah. But the Canucks don't have McDavid dry you know, like <laughs> Hyman Kane, like Canucks didn't have those guys, nor did they have like the experience of making it to the playoffs and going deep. Well, not well, relatively. Deep, I don't know. Really Something. Something feels fundamentally off about that group. I can't put my They're finger imposters. on it. They're imposters. 
They they might be imposters. They really they might are be. a flawed team. Well, they yeah. are. They have, they, no, are. they have no defense. They have no goaltending. They've relied on the the duo of Drysital and McDavid to cover up their their holes and their deficiencies. And now that McDavid's out, and they aren't getting stops at all because they're, they've got sieves in goal. They're exposed. So so this is what I'm talking about when it comes down to we talked about Cassidy in Vegas. We talked about Tockett in Vancouver, and instilling this full team mentality of quote staples and uh, what's the other thing that talking always says uh, systems, but like the, the whole team and especially Vegas, like Vegas is so good at it. That's why they're like, you know, six and O or whatever they are right now. Their whole team works at it. And Alan, you hit it on the head. They have relied too much on dry and McDavid. You're right over the years where they haven't had to rely on the other guys. And it's not the NBA. You can't rely on two guys to make it like, you know, into a standard. Too Cup many final. moving parts. Too many yeah. moving parts. And this is again where like like they've kind of shot themselves in the foot. And like I was saying about my coaching is that I will sacrifice some wins earlier in the season so that the lesser skilled guys can get the reps and build up their skill level and become a part of the team where we can have success as a team. And I just don't think that Edmonton has ever done that. No. Well, I don't really believe in Jay Woodcroft. I don't believe in guys that don't have a chin. <laughs> hey, wasn't he the most, the most handsome coach, according to the AI thing last year? Who was it? Woodcroft. Oh, no, I disagree. I wouldn't. I, wouldn't well, I mean, it was, an a, it was an AI analyzer or whatever that did all the NHL coaches. I wouldn't I kiss him believe, with your mouth. I still can't believe Edmonton had one good year. And they gave Woodcroft the extension that they did. Yeah. No. And for my money, John Cooper is the best looking coach in the NHL. Not that that, not that that matters, but he's a silver for sure. fox for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, he could date my stepmom anytime. Um, the, <laughs> the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, this group, I think everybody here, we were hoping for a last dance. Doesn't look too good. Does it fellas? But let me ask you this. Uh, both of you, your opinion. I, I love the guy and I will continue to advocate for him. Does Sid need to pick up the phone and call Phil Kessel? Would that help? No. no. <laughs> In stereo, no. You you keep you keep pressing this Phil Kessel thing. There is a reason he doesn't have a job. I don't like care he, what the reason oh. is. This guy should be in the league. He's a national treasure and he's eight points away from a thousand points. We gotta get him back in the NHL somehow. No. Wait, he's eight points away from a thousand. He's nine hundred and ninety-two points. Somebody's gonna sign him. He's gonna get those points, no question. Um, I don't see Pittsburgh as a fit. They're already having enough trouble with odd man rushes and being too slow. Phil Kessel's not gonna help that. No, probably not. But I, I just hope the Pittsburgh Penguins turn it around. I don't want to see Sid miss playoffs. It's not fun. It's it's like the Yankees. Even if you don't like the Yankees, it's more fun to watch baseball playoffs if the Yankees are in it. Um, Dave, I'm going to throw it over to you. Big breaking news because I'm I was I'm out of the lineup for the next couple of weeks with the Trash Pandas. But you played for the Trash Pandas uh, last yes. week, and how did that go? It was good to see the boys and get in the dressing room and mix it up. Oh man, it was so great. It just kind of worked out. My sister was going to a wedding. She uh, needed some babysitting. So we took the ferry over, we uh, babysat them on the Saturday, and it happened to be that you guys had a game on Friday night, 
And so I got put into the lineup and uh, it was so fun. Honestly, I love playing Pandas hockey. Like there's so much skill. There's so much speed. I got to play with Ken. Long-term listeners know Ken. He's a hell of a hockey player. Uh, set me up for a nice little goal. Um, and uh, I played with your cousin as well. Uh, he was on our line and we, you know what? We were on the ice for four goals. Uh, you know, we potted four. Uh, so uh, we did we did good. We ended up losing. But our line was uh, quite quite good. But it was so fun. It was. I know so you've fun. played you've played three Trash Pandas games in two years, and it's you've been filling in for me. So I haven't played with you. It's like every time I'm not available, uh, you can play, which works out for the guys because uh, our games are pretty interchangeable. But uh, hopefully next time I'm in the lineup. Um, but yeah, no, everybody uh, rave reviews from everybody on the team. They miss you, bud. Um, oh, so... I, I miss I miss them, man. It's a. Uh... It's a it's a great locker room, uh, and uh, yeah, it's super fun, super fun hockey to play. So, well, as soon as the kid is in bed, I'm gonna crack a beer, and I got uh, some some pack pills from my last trash trash panda game that I haven't opened. I'm just gonna make sure it's super cold so it's drinkable. Uh, and I need to uh, I need to quench my thirst. Alan, what are you drinking this evening at ten o'clock at night on the on the east side of the country? So I got to DJ a uh, my daughter's school dance tomorrow. Like my wife fallen told us that, and so I had to take the day off work to do that. And I'm how how, how old is it. she? What what grade? Uh, she's three years old. It's junior kindergarten. Same so, age as Anderson. Yeah. So they they have like the grade ones and kindergartens go from like two to three, and then the older kids come from three to five or something. And like I had big plans Thursday night, Syracuse football. They're playing the main event. I'm like, okay. It's going to be my day. And then my wife comes home and says, well, I've all told your equipment and your services to DJ this dance. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so, Tonight, so you're, you're getting uh, you're finding out what mixes well with baby shark. Do 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 do. Oh, I, I'm going to drop some songs that I'm pretty sure is going to have the uh, principal's eyes wide open. But tonight, to <laughs> dull that pain, I cracked. Uh, I got a few Miller genuine drafts going down. Well. That'll give you some courage to uh, play I'm in love with a stripper by T-Pain for the... I was thinking more like the fat man scoop uh, who's bleep tonight, you know. Or R. Kelly, you know, always controversial. R. R. Kelly. Oh, that's that's bad, Dave. I love that. That's a great... But my body... My that, body's that telling me yes. Dave, what yeah, are you that, drinking today? Dave, that joke has layers. I love it. That's so like... many layers. So many <laughs> creepy, creepy layers. It's like an onion. Oh, man. Uh, what am I going to be drinking today? I'm going to be drinking some Neo Citron. I have been struggling. My little niece gave me a cold over the weekend. Uh, super cute. But, man, are those little babies cesspools. Oh, and kids so are on. gross. Kids are gross. Yeah. Anderson, what are you drinking tonight? Chocolate milk. He's drinking chocolate milk. Ah, nice. Beautiful. Well, this is uh, a little, a little uh, a, the big Lebowski would be proud. He would be proud. Yeah. White Russians while mom's away. Uh, this has been the 99th episode of Off the Rush, the Wayne Gretzky edition of Off the Rush. Tuck your jerseys into your side. Wear a Jofa helmet. Bet on some hockey through your wife's gambling accounts and have a great night. Cheers, everybody. Oh.